March 2019, to whom it may concern. I felt that I should write to tell you how much my family appreciated your generous and timely gift. We found ourselves in a precarious situation with our only car, and your gift contributed to restoring it to good working condition, timely to us as it coincides with the loss of my job. Thank you. Sincerely, a family of four in Concord. A couple of months, a couple times every month, I receive an email from the Concord Carlisle social worker, Bonnie Wilbur, that reads something like this. I will call the email's subject Kathy. Bonnie writes, I'm working with a Concord resident who has fallen on hard times. She was laid off last year from her job of 26 years and has been looking for a new job since. She is in her mid-50s. Her husband receives Social Security disability, and he is awaiting badly needed hip and knee surgeries. Unfortunately, he is fighting a serious infection, which is not allowing his doctor to schedule the surgery. Kathy reached out to me for help, as she is way behind in her electrical bill, mortgage bill, and national grid bill. She was not aware that there was any assistance available to her in town. The Hugh Cargill Trust Committee will help with their electrical bill. The St. Vincent de Paul Society will help with their mortgage. And I'm writing to ask if the minister's discretionary fund at First Parish might be able to help with their national grid bill. They currently owe $2,178 to national grid, so any assistance would be appreciated. I do want to add that Kathy was extremely thankful on the phone, and she said a number of times that she wishes that she didn't have to accept help and that she plans to give back just as soon as she possibly can. And just FYI, although I know you help everyone, she and her husband were married at First Parish in Concord. Apparently, her husband was raised in Concord. Many thanks for considering this request. Sincerely, Bonnie Wilbur. The names and the details change, but the email is always the same. People live in Concord who cannot keep up with rising costs, unexpected medical emergencies, and the lack of a personal safety net. Dental bills, car repairs, medicine, the minister's discretionary fund buys them all for people. I try to limit contributions to about $1,000 per person per year, but requests that used to be $300 and $500 are now $1,200 and $1,500. Things are getting worse and worse for people at the bottom of the socioeconomic scale in our country, even in Concord. Just last Wednesday, Bonnie Wilbur wrote me saying, Here I am again with yet another request for assistance. It's been a very busy few months, and I just want you to I just want to be sure you know that I'm also bombarding the other founders, the Community Chest, St. Vincent de Paul, the Hugh Gar- Cargill Trust, the Salvation Army, with requests for assistance as well. 
I'm hoping things quiet down sometime soon. I wish I could tell her that they will calm down, but I know that they won't. As I was milling about last Sunday waiting for the ceremony to start honoring Di Clymer as Concord's 2019 Honored Citizen, I was chatting with a couple of people from the Concord Select Board and a Massachusetts state representative. We were talking about the current housing boom in Concord. You all have seen it all over the place. And we all acknowledged how Concord loses people every year because they are simply priced out. When someone lamented the lack of diversity in Concord, I gently suggested that the diversity that is already here is in serious jeopardy. Rather than wanting more people of color to move here, what if we all looked at the ways that Concord and other Metro West towns have become too expensive for many people to live in? What if we valued socioeconomic diversity as well? In the 10th chapter of the gospel attributed to Mark, Jesus confounds his disciples by saying, do you have any idea how difficult it is for people who have it all to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples couldn't believe what they were hearing, but Jesus kept on. He said, you can't imagine how difficult. I say that it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for the rich to get into God's kingdom. That set the disciples back on their heels. Then who has any chance at all, they asked. Jesus was blunt. No chance at all, he said, if you think that you can pull it off by yourself. Every chance in the world if you let God do it. As usual, Jesus is right. Money and the preoccupations it brings always distracts people from life's true path. Indifference always accompanies greed. Vain glory never shares with anyone. And people with money generally want more and more of it. That's just how it works. Over the centuries, there have been many explanations given for Jesus saying what he did. I even heard an explanation that claims that one of the gates in Jerusalem's city wall was called the Eye of the Needle because it was so narrow. Of course, it would be difficult to get a fully loaded camel through that gate, but that's not what Jesus is talking about at all. He's laying out plain and simple. If you selfishly seek wealth, you will lose your connection not only with God, but with humanity as well. You will tear at the interdependent web of which we are all a part. But rather than seeing Jesus' words as discouraging, what if we saw them as a call to share what we have with others? I love the way that he shakes me up and questions my own priorities. I love the way that he insists that we see everyone around us, not just the people like us. And I love Jesus' challenge to avoid getting distracted by the material world. Think about that monk and think about that thief. Fear not, Jesus commands, and I try to listen. 
in Concord and towns like it, shame plays a big role in keeping up appearances. I would guess that First Parish in Concord loses two to three families a year because they simply can no longer afford to live here in town. It's hard to get a handle on this exodus because it happens silently. Someone just stops coming to church, and then a few months later we hear that they are living somewhere else. Sometimes we only know where they went when the Postal Service stops forwarding our mail to their new home, wherever it is. Likewise, there are people in our church and our towns that live in old houses that are too big to maintain and too expensive to get ready to sell. Older people are especially vulnerable to seeing their life in Concord end abruptly when the money runs out. In a town where it looks like everyone has it all together, shame runs deep by those who barely are getting by. And I say to you this morning that we can do better as these towns and as a church. I often wish more people from First Parish would come to me for assistance from the minister's discretionary fund sooner, before it is too late. Now, anybody who thinks that Jesus didn't like rich people doesn't understand him at all. Jesus went out of his way to interact with rich people as well as poor people. He ate in their homes. He listened to their stories. He even called Zacchaeus out of a tree. You remember that one? He included rich people among his disciples, and they were not all men by any means. Ignore all the misogynistic stories you have heard about Mary Magdalene. She was a wealthy, educated woman. Without Mary Magdalene's money, Jesus' movement wouldn't have gotten very far. No, Jesus does not despise the wealthy. Instead, he just reminds them that they have to do something better with their money than just keep it to themselves. He tells the rich that they have to pay far more than the poor just to get the same results. He coaxes them away from their stock market reports and asks them to see their fellow humanity. The minister's discretionary fund at First Parish in Concord exists precisely because rich people write me very large checks to go into that fund. Granted, the fund is supplied by only a few people, but these people are just the kind of people, just the kind of rich people that Jesus would have liked. They ask no questions about where the money goes, how I spend it. When the fund runs low, they write more big checks. They are really happy to see their money going to help people that they will never meet. When the fund gets down to about $10,000 or so, I simply ask for more money. Their largesse allows me to say yes to Bonnie Wilbur almost every time she asks me to help someone. The donors and I know the minister's discretionary fund keeps families from getting so far into debt that they can't make their way out. The minister's discretionary fund helps keep people from losing everything, and this would not happen without the kindness of the wealthy. 
When I asked Bonnie Wilbur for some help in preparing for this sermon, she wrote, Typical requests, my clients include a surprising number of single mothers fleeing domestic violence or simply on their own with no financial support. Also, double-income families with mortgages and expenses and kids in college who unexpectedly lose one or both jobs or who fall ill and are forced to give up one income. Mentally ill folks struggling to care for children but unable to make good choices. And she also says, I've worked with a handful of hoarding cases in town as well. I can't discuss charity without connecting, without commenting on how eager most of these people are to help give back just as soon as they are able, Bonnie continues. As you know, she says, Concord is an amazingly generous community. Each Christmas, my, each Christmas, my office receives donations of brand new expensive toys for families in need. We set them up in the office, Lego sets, Tonka trucks, dolls, enormous stuffed animals, painting sets, etc., and invite parents in to choose gifts for their kids at Christmas. This year, a single mom came in to choose Christmas toys for her children. When she arrived at the office, there was no snow on the ground, but by the time she left, there was at least an inch. As I helped her out to the car with the gifts for the kids, she asked if she could shovel the snow in order to give back immediately. She actually walked back inside and dropped the gifts and picked up the shovel we keep there. It took a fair amount of conversation to convince her that she really should not be shoveling out a town office building, but rather going home to hide the gifts before her kids got home from school. We have to take better care of each other. We have to really see our neighbors. If you would like to contribute to the minister's discretionary fund, Bonnie and I will spend your money wisely. Then who has any chance at all? Jesus' disciples asked him. He answered, No chance at all if you think you can pull it off by yourself. Every chance in the world if you let God do it. So be it. Amen.